Welcome back, welcome back, and happy Tuesday. This, again, is Uproot On Air. It is Podcast Tuesday, and we're so happy that we're here. As always, this podcast is being brought to you by East Broadcast Network in association with Uproot, INC, and King and Foster King Services. And I'm your host, Antoine Dean. Last Tuesday, we did our Freedom Is Not Free podcast for the 4th of July holiday. This week, we're going to change it up a little bit and we're going to talk about correct action versus brutality. So sit back, relax, and get ready for another segment of Uproot On Air with me. And we'll be back after this break. Right, right, right. Welcome back from the break. And ready or not, we're about to get in it. So last week we talked about freedom not being free and all that went into that. There's so much that we could talk about. There's so many things that I wanted to add to that. But we want to make the segments enjoyable, short, sweet, and to the point. Without so much dialogue, it just gets bundled in. So this week we're going to do a little something different. We're going to add a little bit more music, a little bit more Relaxation. We're going to talk about correct action versus brutality. And I know you guys watch the news. You see from the inception of the videos being played from Mike Brown up until today. There have been a lot of videos. There's been a lot of questions. There have been a lot of people upset. Rightfully so. But the reason why this organization truly exists is to combat all of the police brutality, change the police brutality, change the department's way of doing things, a complete overhaul and a facelift of law enforcement altogether. But part of our job as an organization is to give you the facts based off of what law enforcement currently is supposed to do. So that's what we're going to get into today. We're going to talk about the correct action versus the police brutality, as well as talk about um, good cop versus bad cop. Do they really exist or good cops really out there? And we're going to get into it. So What do I mean by correct action versus brutality? Well, a good example of correct action is the correct level of force used in an incident and then the excessive use of force. So it's the good use of force or the correct level of force versus the excessive. So, so many times, and like I said before, you watch those videos on social media and so on and so forth, and you can kind of get a feel of what's excessive. 
Sometimes you can't though. And the reason why I say that is because those videos aren't complete. Those videos leave a lot of content out and sometimes it's hard to tell. So again, you're like, what do you, what do you mean? What do you mean? So you're asking yourself that question. Well, morally, some of those videos are wrong all day long. Um, so sometimes you just got to sit back and you just got to look at it. You got to understand what should be done and what can be done. And sometimes in that profession, just because you can doesn't mean that you should. What do I mean by it? Well, take for instance, you see the video of a young adult getting slammed against the pavement. Now, in the back of your mind as an adult, as you watch that as a parent, you're becoming super irate at the very thought of that because you're thinking about that could be my son, that could be my daughter, um, that could be me. Then after getting the facts, and this is why it's important for the videos to have the entire thing show and not just to piece, just to get you upset, get you riled up and knowing most of us aren't going to do anything about it, but talk about it. And I'm not being disrespectful. I'm, I'm being honest because we're not we're not in a position to be able to do certain things. That's why we have to get information to figure out how we can. So with the information coming in and you're processing it the way it needs to be processed, when you see those videos and if it's in your neighborhood or in your area, whatever the case may be, you can help do something about it. But when you see that video, you automatically assume the worst. Most people will. Most people will because that's what they're given. And then later on, you find out that that kid actually robbed somebody, say an 80 year old lady. And I've had that happen before where this young man took a knife and robbed an 80 year old lady on the train. And she called the police. So when the officer got to the scene, the young man had a had that knife in his hand. And instead of the officer pulling out his service weapon, he told uh, the young man to get on the ground. So he decided to put hands on him versus pulling out the gun and telling the uh, young man to put your hands down, put your hands down, put the knife down. I'm sorry, put the knife, put the knife down. When all of these police departments and all of these use of force policies around this country would have said that officer could have used a more permanent means of stopping that threat and or making an arrest. Instead, that officer, he or she chose a more moral route. And what do I mean by that? It goes back to what I just said about because you can doesn't mean that you should. Now, that looks bad that that officer grabbed that person and threw him on the ground. But we're not having all the facts involved with that, not knowing that that young man, the young lady, whoever it was, had a knife and presented a real threat to somebody because they armed robbed them with this knife. And when the police showed up, the person still had the knife and versus the officer pulling out a gun and, and taking shots at the kid. He decided that I'll just go ahead and tackle him and slam him on the ground. And then I make an arrest. He did it swiftly. He did it fast. It looks bad, but it was better than the alternative. Something was going to have to be done. The appropriate action, according to the law, is that, yeah, he could have shot and killed the kid or she could have shot and killed the kid. But they didn't. They took a moral high route. And again, the onlooker, that makes that officer look really bad. But that's a correct action because he used the more she used the more means of the use of force policy versus the go to thing that we've seen so often in the news media that, oh, I'm afraid. So I'm just going to shoot you. No, there are other things that can be done 
that can lead up to that. But in this scenario with the person having a weapon and being a real viable threat, according to the crime that they just committed, that that person might have actually tried to use that knife against somebody else. And if he would have gotten shot, that would have been justifiable by law. Morally, no. But an example of high ground is what we just got to discuss. Now, again, this is why it's extremely important to know the whole story. You also need to know how their system works and what you need to know to avoid any of it. But if you ever have to happen upon the police, you'll know what to do to not become the latest victim of an unjust incident or to be on the highlight reel. But you always have to remember this key fact that force used properly and morally, there will not be a violation of the law. However, the excessive counterpart to it, it has to be reported, it has to be shown, it has to be documented so that it can be addressed properly and something can be done about it the right way. An example of that type of brutality would be an officer taking the force beyond reasonable. Now say, same scenario, different situation where their force was suitable um, as far as the officer in the first example where he tackled the guy. Now, flip side, officer asks someone to put their hands up and the person actually does it and is doing everything that the officer has commanded them to do. Then the officer uses hard hands to hit or strike or attack that person without having any cause, hitting them repeatedly and doing their all famous thing that you see on all the videos, because this is what they're trying to do is say, stop resisting, stop resistance. It gives them more solidity or solidifies the reason for their attack on that person, because now that they're saying you're not you're not um complying or you're actually resisting and they're doing it in a loud manner, boisterous manner to escalate the situation, to bring more attention to it. Now, that is a great example of the wrong type of force to be used, as well as an excessive force to be used, because that officer knows that by him saying, stop resisting, stop resisting, that's all you're going to hear. Even though he's punching the person, the person, the person has done exactly what they've asked him to do. And they've taken it upon themselves to attack this person and use excessive force and use the wrong type of force for the situation. Those kinds of officers need to become unemployed. They don't even um, need to have any job in public service or period as far as dealing with people. But they have to be replaced and you're going to have to be the ones that replace them. To remove them, there has to be a replacement. And the system, when it starts to get removed, it has to be replaced with one that works for everybody. We need the right people, the right places, in the right positions, doing more of the right things. And that's what's important. And that's how we break up this crap that we've been dealing with for the last couple of years. And we'll be back after the break. None of you ain't Giselle, can't walk in, imagine A lot of y'all Hollywood drama, cast it Cut, bitch, camera off, real shit, blast it I had to
Old school classic. It took a while for us to get here. And we're going to take our time because we have a lot of work that needs to be done. So you're asking yourself the question, what is the purpose of this podcast? Well, we'll get into that later. But what we want to stress is that we do love doing the podcast. It is an opportunity to talk about many things, law enforcement related, many things in our community, just the full gambit of everything that we're trying to accomplish with this organization we can do with this podcast. So our topic we want to get a little bit into uh, today, topic two is good officer. Is there really one? That is the question that most of you guys are asking nowadays. Now, that used to be something that maybe not even been a question back in the day because you didn't really know how law enforcement worked or you didn't know the ugly side of law enforcement. If you grew up in a certain time frame, you knew the potential of the negative negative uh, officer in your neighborhood. If you grew up in the 70s and the 60s and the 50s up until the 90s. But, you know, in this year, the, going into the 22nd century, we were thought we were past certain points, but we're not because that type of mentality still exists. So do good police officers exist? That's a yes and a no answer. You're like, wait, what? What do you mean? Okay, so let me explain it from a perspective of a, an officer's viewpoint, something that I haven't done on the podcast as yet. As a law enforcement officer, at any given point in the day, your life can be put in danger. This danger can be from what I call self-inflicted danger or environmental danger. Self-inflicted danger is just what it says. And to me, that's probably the worst kind of the, the, in my professional opinion. And then the second is caused by situations arising from what we call dispatch calls. What do you mean by that? Well, you've got the, the calls like the armed robberies, the burglaries, the carjackings, the so on and so forth. The situations themselves are inherently dangerous, just like the job is. So once an officer is dispatched to these types of incidents, there are a number of things that should be going through an officer who's trained properly his mind. How do I secure the suspect if the suspect's still on scene? And if I do, how do I do it safely? How do I secure the scene? If the armed robbery or a shooting, like I had a couple of shootings working in East Atlanta, where you get on the scene and you've got a lot of chaos where people have been um, involved in the shooting or the victim who's been shot, if he's still alive or she's still alive, you've got to make sure that scene is secure so that no other incidents take place, like no other fights break out, no other shootings, et cetera, et cetera. So all of those things are something that you have to deal with. How do I properly protect the victim is another thing that an officer should be thinking. And if the suspect is still on scene, how do that person, how do I as an officer apprehend them safely, swiftly, and fastly? Once the scene, once you get on the scene, you have to take the appropriate actions. Again, this has to be done safe in a swift manner with minimum harm to anybody that may be involved, if at all possible. So the officer can receive perception, good or bad, based off of when they get on scene, how they handle this scenario, this incidents, and what types of actions, the right actions and the wrong actions must be taken to make sure that all of those little questions that you have to ask yourself on the way to this call 
What am I going to do when I get there? How does these actions affect everybody that's involved? Now, honestly, understand this. I know that you're the one that calls the police or you're the victim or whatever the case may be, but an officer's first priority is the safety of themselves and then others. And why is that? Because if the officer is not safe, then they can't effectively do their job and they can't effectively help you. And this is where a lot of people end up getting unjustly killed. And why do I say that? Because if you watch any of the videos, let's go back to the first one that you ever was told about. That was a Mike Brown. There are others, 20,000 others. I'm exaggerating because I don't really know the, um, the number of people who were killed unjustly before Mike Brown was ever talked about. But it's staggering because it's been happening so long. So these rules of engagement have always existed as long as this profession has started to become a profession, even before when it wasn't a profession, when it was just a bunch of uh, men who wanted to run a gun and badge and run around and do whatever they wanted to before there were real rules attached to it. Now we have more rules. We have to have more professional minded people involved in it. That's why there are certain things that have to be done. So an officer feels unsafe or in fear of their lives their life or somebody else's, make no mistake, they are trained to use deadly force. And that is shooting to stop the threat, not to wound, maim, or hurt. And I know that it's not morally correct, and a lot of people don't understand that. But you have to see this from the perspective, if you were in the shoes of the officer, and that's why we're doing it in this perspective. Because sometimes the yeah, this perspective gets flipped around, and you're not necessarily understanding of that position. So as an officer is in this scenario and he has he or she has to think about what actions that I need to take to make sure that everybody's safe and that I'm doing it morally and by law. For this to happen, you have to understand your job and you have to make sure that you're doing it the correct way. Now, this is also where people can see the officer's actions as unjustified or justified. But make no mistake about it. If the officer is justified by law and using deadly force, it's harder to prove incorrect action by that officer. If there are incidents or circumstances that that officer can put his fingers on and say, this is the reason why I did that. So it may not be moral. Excuse me. It may not be a morally correct decision to make based off of a human being to a human being. But in law enforcement, now understand this, these officers are above the law because they have to be above the law to be able to enforce it. You can't be in something or a part of something and enforce it if you don't understand the rules. And you understand that because in your house, you run your house according to your rules and you set those rules and your, those boundaries based off of how you feel. That's how it works there. I know that doesn't sound right, but it's true. You need to know these things so you can understand how it works you work around it until it gets fixed. You avoid certain incidents until you get the wrong types of people out of those positions. Now, how can this happen? The morally or the self-inflicted danger, we have to go back to that. What actions did the officer cause that put them, him or he or she in those life or death incidents? Well, in the minds of that officer, they might have thought they did nothing wrong, but there are several things an officer can do to put themselves in those incidents. How did they approach the person? Did they instigate the situation 
by doing and saying certain things? Did they have the right kinds of training for the force that they used? So say you use deadly force and you are not very proficient in using that gun and then you end up hurting more than one person. Or are you trying to use some type of tactic like a ground throw or something like that that you're not very good at doing and you end up hurting that person even further or injuring someone else because you're not skilled in that particular thing. So you go to the next level of force, which is not appropriate because you're just not skilled at it. And now you're putting yourself and that other person and anybody else involved in a more dare in a more dangerous situation and probably putting them in a, a deadly force scenario where it shouldn't be because you lack the skill needed to use that particular type of force. Now, did you use the wrong type of force? That goes back to what I just got to talking about with the not having a proper training. If you don't know what you're doing, you shouldn't be doing it. Go back to something else or wait until you have the right people around you. And that's another thing. Are you afraid or did you use your bias to place yourselves in an unsafe incident on purpose? Let's go back to that incident with the young woman in, in Texas recently, Pamela, where the officer knew. And this goes back to my the thing I'm about to talk about with the mental illness. He knew she had a history of mental illness. She was a schizophrenic person. And when you're dealing with those types of people, you don't approach those people by yourself because there is a history of mental illness. And I know for a fact that they have a different pain threshold as well as physical strength than most people, normal people, because they are heightened. Their senses aren't the same. So if you're approaching that person by yourself and you're doing it on purpose, you're wanting the type of result for a deadly force scenario because you know it'll be justified by law. But you put yourself in that unsafe incident on purpose. You didn't wait for backup. Again, you're trying to handle multiple people all by yourself or you don't know what you're doing in the first place. Those are all the kinds of problems and the list can go on and on and on with self-inflicted danger the officers get themselves involved in. And it all really boils down to the ego. The ego at the end of the day is what causes these officers to put themselves in those positions, either carelessly or on purpose. I can handle it myself or I want to for whatever underlining reasons they have for not getting the help. A good law enforcement officer resort back to the training and an officer looking to hurt people will use the training as a crutch to make reasons to hurt and or kill people. So does a good officer exist based off of the training? Again, the answer is yes to no. But you have to remember that the training is also a part of the problem. Sit back, relax. We'll be back after this break. All right, guys, we're going to close it out. We'd like to say thank you again for tuning in to this podcast. We're always trying to do more to bring you more awareness, more facts, more information. But we are that nonprofit organization, and you know what that means. Check us out on our website, www.uprootinc1.com. Like us, follow us, and tell everybody about what we're trying to do here. Because we're trying to do something different takes time. We're not going anywhere. We're just going to take our time. We're going to do it right. But every Tuesday at 7 p.m., you know how to do. Check us out. Anchor.fm forward slash up INC. If you want to be on the show, go to the website, hook us up. If you want to be a sponsor, go to the website and check us out. 
hit us up if you want to give us five star ratings let us know what we're doing and how we're doing it so we can get better for you and always stay informed every tuesday 7 p.m anchor.fm forward slash upload inc we're going to close it out until next time the sky is the limit Some use pipes, others use injections. So in so 